Check, check. There we go. Mic check. I had to turn it back on. I guess I just assumed that because it was so close to me, it would be turned on, but. <laughs> God, I wish I had your confidence. It's misguided, but it's it's there. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cheap Smut. My name is Katie Mizell. And my name is Carl Mizell. And this is a podcast where I read literature porn and tell my husband about it. And then I react and make faces like, and... Super great for an audio medium. Well, you know, that's in case we decide to move this over to a video format, which I will never do because then that means I have to look presentable. No, exactly. (laughs) I'm never doing that. I already put my sweatpants on because I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. No more being a human being. I am now a slug. Yep. You got your your sweatpants and your good Mothman shirt. My good Mothman shirt. Yes. I don't know how you have several, but. I only have two right now. The other one is a tank top. Yep. They're, they're both cute as hell. They are. I should own more Mothman merch because yeah. he is my boyfriend. That's true. And I love him. But, well, uh, I don't buy myself clothes a lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> Generally, no. Generally, I think mo- no. most everything you have, at least from the waist up, is something that I found on the internet and was like, ooh. Yeah. Although I do have a, um, a full-sized adult onesie covered in little ghosts coming oh, yeah, tomorrow. That's right. I did get the shipping notification oh, for that. Fantastic. I forgot that you I was like, who in the hell ordered me? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, I've been desperately seeking a, a full set, like adult onesie that yeah. actually fits me for years and yeah. I've never managed it until today. Maybe this time. Yeah. Maybe this time. So I know that you're eagerly eagerly awaiting uh, a full-size adult onesie, but yeah. uh, th- all that aside, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Um it's been an interesting week. Yeah. We had illnesses in our children including a son with a stomach bug, so that was fun, you know, with the barfing. <laughs> He handled barfing better at five than I have at any point in my adult life. Yeah, he was super chill about it. Yeah. The first time he threw up in that bucket yep. that we gave him, you were holding the bucket for him. Mm-hmm. And when he, when he was done, he was just like, I'm fine. Yep. And then just pushed it away. <laughs> he, well, I, and then I, he I, just <laughs> went back to watching his YouTube videos. I found him. And he's like, for the first time before we didn't see it happen, I just came out and it looked like he spilled his fruit punch. Yeah a lot yeah. and he's like I spilled my fruit punch <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm like from what from his stomach yeah, exactly it was a, what they, there's what, like a biological spill is that what they call uh, it involuntary personal protein spill <laughs> <laughs> that's a George Carlin line yeah uh, but we didn't come here to talk about that. And no. I, we probably uh, folks uh, of questionable disposition probably don't want to hear that. No. So um, I'll just say that I had a good week as well. Yeah. I took a couple of days off from work just because I had the time. Yeah. Well, you said you needed the mental health days. That's that's the beauty of PTO, man. Yeah, they man. don't got to know why you're going. Just PTO. Prepare the others because exactly. I will not be there. Yep. And and that's the one of the beauties of my job is that there aren't really any others. It's just, <laughs> at least in my territory. It's yeah, it's just me and True. Uh, so I can forward emails. Yeah, but anyway. But anyway, let's just get get to get. Yes, let's get into it. We have something very fun and interesting today. Oh yeah, 
I enjoyed this book very much and I'm excited to tell you about it because I, it's at least one of your two favorite things, hockey. <laughs> I don't know about Dick. I don't no. know if Dick is one of your favorite things. No, I mean I like I I I am I am bisexual, but I don't know like I know shout out to Sebastian Stan for that awakening. <laughs> but I mean I know that I find men or male presenting people to yeah. be very attractive. Yeah. Um, and I've made out with several, several of them. Yeah. But the, the dick thing, like I, that, that seems like I'm not ready for the ropes course. Well, I mean, you are 44 years old and in a monogamous marriage. Yeah. So, so it's kind of off the table. Yeah. It doesn't really matter anyway, but Hey, uh, just because you've never actually had intercourse with a person, uh, that you are attracted to doesn't mean that you're not bi gay straight whatever you know what i'm saying that's right i am not here for your bi erasure exactly but this is not bi this no. is straight up gay yes well in in this capacity it is one of our mmcs is unlabeled queer oh okay yeah has I'm... had sex with women okay well then that's unfair of me to, to yeah. put that label on there so it's it's queer it's queer yeah but uh so this week we are reading Iced Out by C.E. Ricci. C.E. Ricci. Yep. It is available on Kindle for $5.99, which is a little higher than our usual price point, but I'm doing gay hockey specifically for my husband. We're going, we're splurging. Yeah, just a little bit. And in honor of the ice. He's drinking whiskey tonight. I've got a little bit of uh, Irish whiskey on the rocks in there. Shout out to Powers. Shout out to Ireland (laughs) for making my favorite whiskey, (laughs) Powers. That's it. That's not a sponsor. Not an ad. <laughs> not a sponsor. Fantastic. Uh, are there any content warnings for this book? Um, physical violence, mostly in gameplay. Okay, I was gonna in say. Hockey. I was gonna say. Um, and also, I guess we can just call it hate fucking. I don't know how else to. It's <laughs> aggressive, but consensual. Yeah. But I was like, oh no, that might hurt like <laughs> yeah uh, but those are the only content warnings we have um also i guess if you need a cw for anal sex but this is a gay book so yeah there you go that's that's about it no other crazy shit this week all right well i i, I like i like that when i don't have to type out an entire paragraph of content, oh, content warnings. warnings yeah yeah when i'm doing the metadata nice. it is nice so going into this book, I there are a couple things that I really enjoyed about the front matter of this book. Number one, C.E. Ricci wrote a um, a playlist that goes with this book. Oh. And it's also on Spotify. So you can search like Iced Out C.E. Ricci and find it on Spotify built just for this book, which I think is really cool. The theme song is Anti-Socialist by Asking Alexandria. Okay. I've never heard it, uh, but most of the playlist was like second and third generation emo. And I was going to say that was it was almost like late second, early third wave emo yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, and also the dedication page. This book is dedicated to Taco Bell without whose food and Baja blasts. This book would not have been written. Blessed be the bell. Think outside the bun. I fucking love Taco Bell. And so does C.E. Ricci, which is something I have in common with them. Hooray. Fuck yeah, Taco Bell. Fuck yeah, Taco Bell. I hate when people act like they're above Taco Bell. No, 
It's wonderful. It's the same six ingredients put in whatever shape you want. You like a hexagon? We got it. You want a, just like a half moon? We got it. You want and a you put a sauce on it and then you shut up and you eat it and then you, you go about your night. It's 2 a.m. You're drunk. You don't care. Yep. Eat the tacos. Exactly. Ugh. People above Taco Bell. Absurd. Anyway, um, oh, and also there is a disclaimer at the top of the book, um, which basically says that this is a work of fiction and any person's real or imagined aren't, you know, um, but also that the universities in this book are fictional and the NHL teams mentioned in this book are fictional. And while the NCAA rules that are mentioned in this book are real, they have been bent slightly to accommodate the story. Oh, good. And yeah. I feel like you're telling, you're saying that specifically to me. I am. Okay. So that I don't go, well, actually. Yes. Okay. Good exactly. to know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm about. I do. I do know what you're about. Uh, you're about sports. Sports, semantics, and sex. Yes. The three S's. <laughs> okay. So getting into it, we're, uh, our, our MMCs this week, uh, I'm just going to introduce them at the top, are Oakley Reed. He is gay, openly gay, but quiet about it. Um, and Quentin de Haas, who thought he was straight. Until he met Oakley. Until he met Oakley. Um, Oakley, Oakley and Quentin. Yep. Oakley and Quentin. Yes. Okay. I'm going to have to say that a few times. <laughs> Oakley is a hockey legacy. Both his father and his uncle are all-stars. His father was a 10-time all-star forward for the NHL. Okay. Good for him. Um, and his uncle holds the single season goalie shutout record. So good for his uncle. Um, Quentin is the only son of a rich Chicago uh, elite businessman and his uh, arm candy wife. Just give me a little backstory on both of them. So getting right into it, it opens with a it opens with a prologue um, after the final game of the season of their senior year of high school. Uh, Oakley and Quentin see each other outside of the arena and Oakley tells Quentin, hey, good game. But Oakley's team won and Quentin's bitter. And then they exchange a bunch of verbal blows about like nepotism and paying off refs and paying for ice time in college because Quentin doesn't think that Oakley deserves Oakley. Quentin thinks Oakley is riding on nepotism because his dad and his uncle Mm -hmm. are NHL all-stars. Yeah, probably. Um, Eventually, once he does lay that that final nail in the coffin of nepotism Oakley punches him in the face (laughs) good because Quentin has very little room to talk yeah because Because his daddy is rich yeah because it it, it, time and time again if you listen to any interviews with like the parents of athletes or if you hear them talk about an athlete and mention their parents inevitably you will hear like oh so-and-so's father does this and their his mother does this and you're like oh he grew up with money. Yeah. So he he grew up with excellent coaching. He grew up with, you know, f- access to the best possible everything. Yeah. Having family who did it before you does obviously lend itself well to success. But fuck Quentin for just lay, like saying that it's because of his dad and his uncle. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it out of the way early. I'm going to get an eat shit. Eat shit, Quentin. Eat shit, Quentin. I mean, both of these boys need to eat so much shit and also go to so much therapy yeah. throughout the course of this book. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely eat shit, Quentin, for starting off strong by being an 18-year-old douche. Yeah. Yeah. Just the douchiest douche. The douchiest douche. You're you're rarely more douchey than you ever will be at your life than you are at 18. Um, I said rarely. Yeah. Rarely. I mean, 
there is a chance you won't grow out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, they are definitely douchey d- douchebags from yeah. Doucheville. All right. So Oakley gives him a, a sock in the jaw. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, blows are exchanged. End of prologue. Four years later, Oakley and Quinton have been playing on the same team for four years. It's a big time skip. Yeah. Big time skip. Um, Quinton didn't know when he initially insulted Oakley four years ago that they were going to end up at the same university or that they were going to be coached by Oakley's uncle, Mm. who is the head coach of the team. They go to fictional Layton University in Chicago. This book is set in Chicago. Okay. Which is great for you because you know Chicago really well. I, I do, yes. Yeah. Oakley ignores the fact that his uncle is the coach. He tries to act like... There is no relation there. Um, and Quentin is the captain of the team. This is their senior year. They uh, have ongoing beef. They constantly take verbal shots at each other. They can't, they both play really well, but they can't play with each other to save their fucking skins. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I wrote just kiss already. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, you knew it was coming, but. Chemistry is important, you know, interpersonal chemistry is important in in all sports, but especially if you're rolling on a line, you know, in in hockey they 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 often refer to the lines or defensive pairings, and mm-hmm. if you're a forward, you're on an a, a line, right wing, center, left wing. So if your wingers and your centers don't get along, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. So from it's never explicitly stated, but it sounds like Quentin and Oakley are the two best players on the team or at least the yeah. two best forwards on the team because they're both they play on the same line they've been put on the same line by coach in an effort to get them to fucking get along yeah let's see quentin is a hothead who gets he gets so much time in the sin bin for fighting yeah so much um and oakley was supposed to be the captain this year but he lost a lot of ice time in the previous season for a major clavicle and shoulder injury which was a result of a dirty check that was meant for quentin who just happened to get out of the way like they were changing the line mm-hmm. and somebody came for Quentin, but he got hopped over the boards too fast. And so Oakley took the check. And so his uncle, because of an injury, did not give him the captaincy. Yeah. That's weak. That's fucking weak. Well, he missed too much time on the ice, apparently. Oh, mm-hmm. And they weren't sure he was going to be able to play at the top of his game this season. I, I don't like that choice, but, <laughs> but go on. So he went through... He went through a summer of um, physical therapy and pain management, and now he's back on the team and he's playing fine. Uh, game one, the home opener, they lose. Quinton causes a brawl, and they lose on the five-minute power play. Uh, Oakley gives him in like an on-ice dressing down, like grabs him by the chest and pushes him into the boards. It's like sexual tension. Are we going to fight or fuck? Exactly. <laughs> At this point, they're just going to fight. They mm. hate each other. I cannot stress that enough. They hate each other for no legitimately good reason, except for the fact that they're dudes who had beef four years ago and just never said sorry. It's so, so much beef. So so much beef could simply be squashed by just saying, sorry. I can't tell you how many times in this book I rolled my eyes and went, it's been four years, guys, four years. You've played on the same team together for four years and neither one of you went, well, maybe other shit's important. Yeah, no. I I, 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 I want to digress only slightly because something happened today that was actually a really good example of this. Uh, Chicago White Sox baseball, 
one of their broadcasters, Steve Stone, made a comment about one of the Chicago White Sox pitchers, uh, specifically Lance Lynn, about his weight and about questioning whether or not his because he's a big husky dude and whether whether or not his weight has something to do with his diminished performance this year. Um, And then he (sighs) he came right out and he was like, hey, man, I said some shit. It was dumb. And he, he was literally like, no excuses, none of that. I'm sorry, shouldn't have said it. I spoke to Lance. We shook hands. We hugged. He accepted my apology. We moved on. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it could be that easy. It really could be that easy. But I, I Quentin said, has the biggest fucking chip on his shoulder, and Oakley is extremely defensive. Yeah. So. And it, this is, is is this sort of an extension of one of your or of your least favorite trope, the miscommunication trope, or? No, no, they they very openly communicate just how much they fucking hate each other. It's just there's no good reason for it. <laughs> they communicate their hatred exquisitely. Just so yeah. good. Okay. Um. So after that game, some of the players are talking. Oakley is among them, and they're all complaining. They want Quinton off the team. They don't want him to be captain. They don't know how he got captain in the first place because he's such a hothead. Mm-hmm. Um. And Oakley sort of offhandedly says, "Well, too bad this isn't high school. We could just get him." kicked out by like hiding weed in his locker right but it's not that easy we're in college uh then a few minutes later uh no sorry the next day at practice coach comes out and says hey there you know there's been like some steroid problems in the universities the ncaa wants us all to do random checks Mm -hmm. so everybody go piss in a cup the next day quentin pops positive for vicodin Mm -hmm. but he doesn't do drugs he's never done drugs in his life hockey's the only thing he cares about so why in the world would he jeopardize that and coach tells him you're suspended for now but you can retest and if it comes back clean we'll put you back on the team for vicodin for vicodin for off-label opioid use Did, did, did they say that it wasn't prescribed to him well, he didn't have a, a waiver on file with the NCAA. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure plenty of players get a, you know, have an injury that requires an opioid. Okay. But he didn't have a waiver, so. Yeah, no, 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 that's accurate. I just want, I just wanted to yeah. <laughs> just check in. Because um, that's what I care about in these books is the accuracy. <laughs> Fucking autism. <laughs> <laughs> so while, while Quentin is suspended, suspended, Oakley gets a temporary C. Quentin was suspended. Quentin was suspended. <laughs> That's where you were going with that. I said what I said. Uh, Oakley is now the captain. Oakley is now the captain. Uh, but Coach calls them both into his office and says, you two need to actively work on fixing your shit, basically. Yeah. Like, play nice and shut the fuck up and win us win us a trophy Yep. for the love of God. They totally hate each other at this point still. I hate them. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of hated them, too, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I'm waiting for something endearing to happen. (laughs) Uh, Game two is a loss. Quinton did not play. Game three is a loss. Quinton did not play. Um, There's a brief interlude where we are introduced to Oakley's roommates. He lives in um, what I put is uh, he lives in the house if the house were a nice townhouse. And by the house, I assume you mean the house from Check, Please. Yes. Which, the gay hockey comic book yes. that we love so much, or graphic novel, yeah. technically. We've mentioned it on this show before. We will get it out of the way now by Ngozi Ukazu. It is called Check, Please. There are two volumes presently. It yep. is one of the sweetest, oh God. most charming, hilarious. It's like reading a hug. It is. It's so sweet. 
yeah and wonderful but it's also about two gay hockey players on the same university team yes uh and but they're all of them live or a lot of them live in the h-a-u-s the house it's uh it's an on-campus property owned by the hockey team yeah yeah so there's a little bit of backstory on what she means by the house and also a a not sponsored plug for one of the best graphic novels I've ever read. Oh, fuck yes. Um, so he lives in this house with four other dudes. Holden, uh, Leighton University star quarterback. Excuse me. Uh, Theo, Leighton University shortstop. Camden, Leighton University hockey goalie. And Braxton, Leighton University hockey position unknown. They Le- never say. Oh, I was going to say, n- no lax bros? No lax bros. No, nobody who plays lacrosse. Um, I don't know that they play lacrosse at Layton University in Chicago. God, I hope not. uh, Not an East Coast school, and I feel like lacrosse is an East Coast thing. I think it might be illegal to play lacrosse uh, east of like Ohio or west (laughs) of Ohio, excuse me, which is fine as far as I'm concerned. So Oakley does not think that Quentin used steroids. Everybody thinks that Quentin popped for steroids. They never oh, so say. They, they, oh, so they just know that he dropped hot. They yeah, don't know. Okay. And they never say out loud that, okay. he, that he dropped for opioids. Mm. So Oakley definitely doesn't think that Quentin would use steroids. And he is really suspicious. He's really suspicious of Braxton because Braxton's acting, acting sort of high and mighty ever since Quentin got kicked off of the team. Mm-hmm. So he goes and talks to Braxton, who is one of his friends. And Braxton is a like a politician about it. I took care of it. You don't have to. Don't ask any questions. You don't want to know. <laughs> um, but Oakley also doesn't really think that Braxton has the balls to do something like like dose Quentin with steroids. So he kind of thinks that Braxton is full of shit. Yeah. Um, so he never says anything about it again. Um, he just goes about his day. Uh, game four. Quentin is now back on the team. They lose. Not pictured. <laughs> <laughs> there are several games that they mention a loss in, but they don't actually show the game. Okay. Um, game five. They lose. Quinton has passed his second test. He's back on the team. Um, he gets two penalties, one for a dirty check and one for fighting. So he's back in the sin bin again, and they lose on the power play again. After the game, Quinton's parents visit him in the tunnel, and his father is a jackass. He's a rich asshole. He disapproves of hockey. He disapproves of violence. He disapproves of Quentin having anything to do with athletics because he's supposed to be grooming himself to take over the family business, even though that's not what he wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> and also that one of the best networking things that you can do in college is play, is high, play a sport. Is play a high level or like, you know, a, a big quote unquote any sport really, yeah. but hockey. I spent a lot of time wondering why. If you so if I were a rich Chicago businessman, muckety muck, yeah. and I wanted my son to take over the family business, I assume I would want him to take it over when I retired. And because I'm a controlling asshole, as most businessmen are, yeah. I wouldn't be giving it up until I was in my, what, mid to late 60s? Oh, at, at the absolute earliest, because you're also a narcissist. Exactly. So if Quentin is graduating from college... And his father is in good shape. He's probably, what, in his 40s? Maybe late, 50s? Late 40s, early 50s. If I were this asshole businessman, 
my thought process would be, I'm going to let my son, who is an incredibly talented hockey player, play in the NHL for a long time, get myself a bunch of like brownie points for getting free tickets to games yep. for all of my business constituents or whatever. Yep. And then when he retires, and inevitably he will retire, probably fairly early because he's a bruiser so he's going to get an injury he can't come back from then he can take over the business yeah but no he keeps telling him that if he doesn't drop hockey and finish business school he's going to cut him off which is the i love my son i love my daughter i love them both so much but if i had a business that afforded me the opportunity and the ability to be a millionaire like a wealthy chicago businessman the last thing i'm going to do is give it to any 21 year old oh right no no are you He'll fucking high the ground if for no other reason than he doesn't know what he's doing your brain isn't even fully developed no by the age of 21 it is science mm-hmm. and you want to give over a business to somebody with a f- not fully developed brain yeah they are also really pushy about him getting married and like Marrying a society girl and keeping up appearances and his mom's like this, you know, tight, blonde society woman. I, I really don't like the De Haases. I really don't. I don't either. Uh-huh. I want to crawl into this book and beat his ass. Oh, please do. I will open the book for you and you can hop right in just like Wishbone. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole conversation between Quentin and his parents is ugly and gross and it leaves Quentin feeling absolutely sh- terrible about himself. And then when he walks around the corner, he sees that Oakley has been standing in the hallway this whole time waiting to talk to him about what coach said about getting their shit together. But instead, he overheard this conversation and Quentin's incredibly defensive. Oakley tries to talk to him about it. He doesn't want anything to do with him because he sees like sympathy and pity in Oakley's eyes and he just can't handle that his, <laughs> he sees his, like, he sees emotion and genuine concern seriously but it's like his worst enemy and his bitter rival and the fact that his rival knows that he's what vulnerable and a human being is too much for him to bear so he just pushes off and walks away this is an interesting dynamic at play because you have some of the toxic masculinity that is unfortunately very inherent in in athletics mm-hmm. men, you know in in especially athletics with men uh but then you also have like somebody who's trying to show genuine concern and yeah and emotion yeah who and, and we know that it's ultimately going to lead to some sort of relationship mm-hmm. some level of relationship so there's a nascent intimacy there yeah so that that push and pull is very fascinating to me the idea that there could be toxic masculinity and queerness in the same Oh, space. Yeah. That's fascinating. You were a theater kid. Yeah. You met a lot of, you met a lot of queer people and some of them were toxic. So (laughs) it shouldn't be that surprising. No, but not, not necessarily, not always toxically masculine. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's just toxic. Just toxic. (laughs) Holy fuck. So many actors are toxic. Anyway. So after this exchange, Oakley goes to a party at a frat house with his BFF, Holden, the quarterback that he lives with. Uh, They go specifically because Holden wants to get laid. Holden is bisexual. He is currently hooking up with a teammate, and Oakley disapproves. Uh, He'll be eating crow in about seven pages. Be Uh, more than that. (laughs) Is that what the kids are calling it these days? Um, Eat my crow. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) 
Oh man, uh, that's gonna be hot in your headphones. I'm really sorry about that, uh, listeners. Um. <laughs> so Quentin is also at this party, and they sort of find each other on like a balcony overlooking the main floor you know there's like a loft yeah yeah loft space they have another verbal altercation it almost comes to a fight like fists in shirts close quarters you could be fighting or fucking in the next five minutes um at one point in this conversation oakley threatens to suck his dick (laughs) like q's made a couple of shots at him about being gay yeah and oakley's like shut the fuck up or i'll suck your dick I, not it's it's menacing it's like i i, I no, can't it's explain, not i can't explain it <laughs> no i, I know he wants it. i know he wants it to be <laughs> well <laughs> no one has ever threatened to suck my dick and intimidated me in the process i can't i can't explain it to you but this is a fight like they're and then they start arguing about who would suck dick better <laughs> They're so competitive, they literally can't. <laughs> I love the idea of a totally, totally straight, and I know neither one of these guys is, but a totally straight guy who is so competitive that his competitiveness outweighs his toxic masculinity, and he blows a guy and does an excellent job. Yeah. Uh, so you would love what happens next. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, there is so much sexual tension in this scene. Quentin grabs Oakley by the shirt and pulls him into a bathroom. You can cut it with a dick-shaped knife. Furiously. (laughs) Pulls him into the bathroom. Yeah, and hits his knees. Oh, God. God. And blows him. (laughs) I don't understand what's so funny about this. (laughs) Because you've never played hockey. No, no, I haven't. I've never played hockey. I love hockey. I love hockey as a concept, and I love hockey-related <laughs> media. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch hockey, but I don't love hockey. I love check please and shorezy. You've been to the same number of Red Wings games as I have, which is one, which is impressive. Oh my god! <laughs> you you want to go? Yeah. yeah. I'll suck your anyway. I'll please suck your dick. I'll suck your dick better. <laughs> anyway. So this this blowjob is aggressive. It is filthy. It is face fucking. Probably it toothy. Is, it is like it's a hate blowjob, but it's also the best blowjob of Oakley's life. And once he finishes, Quentin stands up, and <laughs> Oakley tells him to like, get his head. St- no, no. Quentin tells Oakley if he can get his head on straight for the game tomorrow, maybe he'll get a repeat. Wait, hold on. So Quentin blew Oakley. Quentin blew Oakley. And Oakley said no, and then. Oakley told him that he would like see him tomorrow at the game and Quentin was like if you can get your head on straight and play worth a good goddamn maybe you'll get another one but oh okay that's okay so I I like it I like it it's flirty I don't understand the threat because I think Quentin's the one who needs to get his head on straight but moving on yes well I also think that Quentin's the one who needs to get his head on straight but Quentin's got his head so far up his ass he doesn't know what direction he's looking yeah pretty impressive he can give a blowjob that good with his head up his own ass seriously um, maybe that's why it's so good because it's a blowjob and anal combined. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Quentin goes home 
and uh, he's like, and all of a sudden he like the, the adrenaline wears off. He's like, wait, did I just blow a guy? <laughs> oh my god, I just blew a guy. He goes home and he jacks off because it was like this has been like the hottest experience of his life, basically. And then he starts deeply questioning his sexuality while he falls asleep. I should fucking hope so. Yeah, they run into each other on the quad the next day, and. Oakley like Quentin tries to talk to him and Oakley basically tells him to leave him alone because if they're going to act like it never happened that means that they're not going to talk to each other in public because they haven't done that for the last four years so why would they start yeah, now? People are going to get suspicious. <laughs> Oakley and Quentin talk. Did one of them blow each yeah. other? Is that is that Reed and DeHaas having a conversation? They must be fucking. They got to be fucking. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. They're, they hate. That's the only logical explanation you have because the, the of the extreme hatred. The only thing that could counter that is fucking. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, game six. Layton University wins. Thank Christ. Not pictured. Then Quentin tries to convince Oakley that they need to keep fooling around for superstitious reasons. Wait, who? Who's? Quentin, Quentin convinces tries Oakley. to convince Oakley okay, got it. that they need to keep fooling around specifically for superstition. Yes. He tries to both reason with him and seduce him, but Oakley tells him it's never going to happen in a million years. Now, I, I told you about this. Yeah. I, I played hockey for many years. Uh, I would love to play again. We are a superstitious lot. I My superstitions were, if anything had a pair, I always put the left one on first. Okay. So left skate left leg into my my pants left sock left glove left elbow pad sure. et cetera, et cetera. Sure. um and i i had extra multiple sticks I, they would never like in the rack i would never have them cross yeah uh those are my things uh i would skip lines the first time i skated around on a lap i would jump over the lines okay uh so this is not outside of the realm of possibility you never walk on the logo yeah you never walk on the logo exactly okay. so the idea that two guys on the same team would have some sort of sexual uh, experience, experience together and then win and think they had to keep doing it the least surprising thing in this book so far oh yeah absolutely and these boys are all, all, both already superstitious as any good sports player would be yeah. um, Oakley wears funny socks underneath his regulation socks and Quentin sleeps with his lucky puck under his pillow every yep. night there you go you know so they both kind of understand that already game seven Leighton university loses not pictured game eight Leighton university loses not pictured after a road game quinton and oakley are roomed together they were they have been roomed together for the entire season by coach like they get their room assignments or their roommate assignments at the beginning of the year in their room after their most recent loss oakley says eh, all right maybe we should fool around for superstitions reasons um but they have to set us some basic ground some basic ground rules and those rules are only on the night before a game no anal and don't tell anybody okay <laughs> Wait, um, which is actually smart because <laughs> you get fucked in the ass. You're not going to be at your best to skate. <laughs> I think they just don't want to breach that like final wall between them and actual like physical intimacy. You believe what you want to believe and I will believe what <laughs> I want to believe. I would not want to get fucked in the ass and then try to skate. Okay. Fair is enough. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. Uh, so the evening before their next game... Oakley goes to Quentin's house, I believe. Okay. Um, Quentin lives in an apartment with his roommate and childhood best friend. His name is Hayes. Oakley tries to back out, and they have another 
argument about it which <laughs> turns into like a uh, verbal sparring match becomes oral sparring match aggressive rage kissing <laughs> <laughs> they hate each other i'm serious they hate each other and that passion has boiled over into physical intimacy but it's not coming from a place of love at this point <laughs> oh no uh when they get back to quentin's uh apartment they do hook up body exploration Oakley is a control freak. Um, he jacks them off simultaneously, which I, I think is a very common in like in MM romances. I see it a lot, but I don't know if it's a thing that happens in real life. I have to assume that it is. So he he jacked himself and Quentin off? Yeah, just like put the dicks together and put your hand around both of them. Oh, that's not what I was picturing. I was picturing like his dick in one hand and, and Quentin's dick in another hand, which would have to be a really like it would have to like really distort your because like you oh, could yeah, feel two really dicks but to do that yeah you feel two dicks in your hands but you're only getting pleasure from one <laughs> my brain hurts just thinking about it it's like a phantom dick <laughs> phantom dick no these are two very real dicks and they're pushed together in one hand okay well i wondered why because because your hand is alarmingly far oh, apart yeah, i'm making a c with yeah. my hand I'm not it's not a circle it is a C You're, yeah. and I'm not yeah I was not implying that either one of them had a dick like a C like, I was, like that big yeah like a Coke can no they yeah. just have normal dicks although they don't actually talk about them okay except to mention that when when the anal actually happens because it will eventually that it's a little concerning because of the size but I would also say that any size dick would be concerning the first time you take it up the ass I was gonna say the first time a proctologist stuck his finger up my ass I was concerned and that's not <laughs> It's it's no anything bigger than that is it, anything in your ass is concerning. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So as a running theme throughout this book that is established in this scene, Quentin is very vocal and also very bitey. Uh, <laughs> he bites. Uh, he bites. He's a biter. Um, Oakley will have a lot of hickeys uh, throughout the course of this book. When they finish, um, Oakley freaks out and leaves very quickly. Quentin feels rejected and he's having a very complex feeling about his sexuality and what that means whether he's gay he's been with women and he enjoyed it is he bi is he queer only he can define that for himself uh, but this is like the last time he ever worries about that in the book so good for him he doesn't spend like months and months harping on it this book takes place over the course of an entire season okay so every it's like once four in a while, or five months yeah yeah every once in a while it just says like november and we're in november now or whatever um they win the next six games in a row and continue hooking up the night before every single game in what Oakley calls top tier mind blowing sex that can only happen when the chemistry between two people hits just right. At this point, they consider themselves to be enemies with benefits. <laughs> uh, this, <laughs> they are still well within the realm of hate fucking. They are fucking out their aggression so that they can play together on the ice and it's working. Oakley is having now having the best season of his career and Quentin hasn't gotten into a single fight on or off the ice since they started hooking up again blow your friends seriously blow me blow me blow the homies B blow the homies you think that they're having some trouble at home you think that they need help offer them a blowjob you're not too good for this you're not if you really loved them you would sorry that was a little too aggressive <laughs> <laughs> that was a little too manipulative. Yeah, that's what I'm, I guess what I meant. That's a little too manipulative. If you really loved you, they would blow you. No, that's not that's not the way we should think. Anyway, it's around this point that Quentin starts trying to open emotional channels and actually have like a conversation with Oakley instead of just like read 
de Haas. Huh, huh, huh. Leave. <laughs> <laughs> Oakley doesn't like to have these conversations with Quentin. He wants to keep him like firmly in the zone of like guy eye bone before a game. Yeah. Um, but he can't stand seeing the rejected look on Quentin's face whenever he tells him he doesn't want to talk. It's so cute. Um, so in this very first, the, the very first real conversation that they have with each other, they talk about Quentin's parents and how shitty they are. They talk about how um, Oakley hates the fact that he is a legacy because he loves hockey and he's been raised and groomed to play hockey, but also nobody thinks he's earned it. Yeah. And while he has had probably the best of everything, he's also worked really hard. Um, so he wants to prove that he can do this for himself. And this is the, about the point where they start having like soft feelings for each other. Quentin is, Quentin is starting to respect Oakley for his perspective on the game. And Oakley is starting to respect Quentin for his ability to play aggressively because he can't. Like there's a certain like golden boy sort of expectation of him that Quentin doesn't have to deal with. The yeah. night before their next game... After their hookup, they hang out. Like they just spend some time oh. together. Yeah, they uh, do it in reverse. They 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 chill and then Netflix. Yeah, they have been doing this a lot recently. They get along more. They've been hanging out. They cuddle. They share stories and secrets. But they still consider themselves to be enemies with benefits. Um, Whatever helps you sleep at night, guys. Yeah. The next night after their win in the hotel room, they realize that Oakley always scores a hat trick. The night after, he blows Quentin. So they go, you know, let's see what 69 will do. <laughs> what can 69 bring to the ice? And so they they, they they do a 69, which I always think is be of as being impractical. But I guess if there's two dicks, it might actually be easier to do. It would be a lot easier to yeah, do. Yeah, um, instead of one of you having to bury your face in a vagina. Yeah, no, I, yes, trust, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so in this scene, there is anal play and prostate orgasms. This time they fall asleep cuddling. Oh. Yeah. After this game is holiday break, Q gets, oh, that's how I wrote it in here. So they didn't have to write Quentin and Oakley every time. Yeah. Although by this point, they're calling each other Quinn and Oak, which is cute. They have little mm. nicknames for each other. Um, Quinn gets Oak, uh, funky socks for Christmas. And Oakley is very moved by that because Quentin noticed that he wears funny socks Quentin is starting to fall for uh, Oakley and he has none of the words to vote to verbalize this even inside yeah. of his own head um, over Christmas Quentin is miserable because his parents are rich assholes they don't have an actual real Christmas they have like a business function with a Christmas tree so on Christmas night after they after they have ended their party for the evening Oakley texts him um, and they decide to meet up over the break so that they can see each other. On New Year's Day, they meet at Millennium Park and they go ice skating Aww. together. Um, while they're ice skating, they kiss in public in front of people. By the bean? Mm, by yeah. the big bean? By the big bean. Kiss by the bean. I've been kissed by the bean by a dude. Um <laughs> <laughs> Take that seal. <laughs> and fuck you. I've fuck you been... for cheating on Heidi and fuck you for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for cheating on Heidi. I just changed the words to your 30 year old song. That <laughs> half of our listeners probably don't remember. Uh, anyway, 
they uh they really enjoy their day together they spend the entirety of new year's day together ice skating and walking around the city and then they have a kiss at the end of the night that is just sweet and gentle and loving and these people would be dating by now if they didn't have so much fucking baggage they would just be dating but neither one of them has like the emotional capacity to express any of these feelings to each other i blame that on the patriarchy and also sports where we don't talk about our feelings. We play oh, yeah. them out. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, at this point, they both call what they have with each other an addiction. Uh, they're addicted to each other. They just can't stop fucking. They're addicted to each other. Ugh. A few days later, after practice, Quentin decides to surprise Oakley in the showers. Nope. <laughs> it's yeah. the last place I want to be surprised by anyone. <laughs> um, and they play just the tip, which is it's so cute. It's like they're 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but Oakley is a top and Quentin is a bottom. Uh, to answer the question that I'm sure you were asking, who gives and who receives inside your own head? I don't know if you were asking or not. I wasn't. Um, but Oakley is the giver in this situation. Oakley's topping. Oakley is topping. Um, and he will top all the time. Quentin loves this. Yeah. He begs. He begs to be fucked. But Oakley is a control freak. And he loves the fact that he is in full control right now so he doesn't do it a couple of days later oakley comes to quentin's apartment again and they kiss like right in the doorway and quentin's roommate sees them Mm -hmm. this is the first person outside of their relationship who actually knows who they are who has seen them they are dating at this point they spend so much time together they study together they hang out together they go to practice together they go to games together they are they have a lot of sex they have a lot of sex together not that that is necessary for a relationship no but i feel in the context of this particular book it is important yeah (laughs) my notes it just says seriously if they didn't have so much history and patriarchy bullshit to wade through they would just be dating which is what i have been saying this entire time yeah um Quentin is falling so hard at this point. Quentin is the one in this book with the big emotions. He has all of the big feelings. Well, it's because he's kept them bottled up for 20, 21 years. Yeah, exactly. One evening, Quentin texts Oakley to pack a bag and meet him out front of his townhouse in 10 minutes, and they go to Navy Pier, and they ride the Centennial Wheel, which is the giant Ferris wheel at Navy Pier, if anybody is. Uh, If you've... I'm going to say, like, if, if, if you've never been to Navy Pier, a lot of people have never been to Navy Pier. The United States is a huge country and the yeah. world is a huge place. But if you've ever been through Chicago, specifically if you've ever driven up 41, a.k.a. Lakeshore Drive, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be on the lake, you know, on the lake side. So if you're driving north up Lakeshore, big fucking Ferris wheel, big sign says Navy Pier, can't miss it. Yeah. So even though Oakley is afraid of heights... He goes on the Ferris wheel with Quentin and they have a really touching, heartfelt conversation about expectations and what they're going to do after college. Quentin doesn't think he'll be able to get into the NHL because he has, even though he retested and it turned out to be negative, the black mark of drug use on his record or in like the rumor mill is enough, he thinks, to keep him from ever playing on an NHL team. And he's like despondent because he doesn't want to go and work for his dad. Quentin is sadly wrong. Yeah. Be- because without belaboring the point and getting way too far into a bunch of shit you don't want to hear about, a, a, one one failed drug test in college would not even register as a blip on a radar. Yeah. Yeah. Two questions. Do you have any fucking Percocets? And can I have your fucking Percocets? <laughs> okay. Um, 
after the after the ride on the on the Centennial Wheel, they go to Quentin's childhood home, which is a penthouse in a high rise, where they have, as I wrote here, desperately fantastic sex. <laughs> With 43 E's. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, thir- 13 E's. All right. Uh, <laughs> Quentin loses his anal virginity. O is a very good and attentive top. That's all I wrote on the notes there. Um, but it was also, it was a really good scene. Um, C.E. Ricci writes really hot sex. She's good at her job. Good for you. During the next game, a few days later, Quinton takes a dirty check from an oppo- opponent who has beef from the previous se- previous season. Oakley tries to intervene, but gets himself punched in the face, and he falls on his bad shoulder. Quinton wants to start a fight on Oakley's behalf after that, but Oakley talks him down. They win 4-3 to three on the power play, because Quinton didn't get sent to the sin bin this mm-hmm. time. After the game, Oakley gets cleared to play with some uh, physical therapy, and uh, he tells Quinton that he's proud of him for walking away from a fight. That was it's a like a really like heightened everything that's on the ice in these is also really well written. Yeah. Um they spend more and more time together over the course of the next several days. Um they sometimes they just study. They just spend time together. They are in a relationship. They just can't admit it to each other. There is then a scene where Oakley is confronted by all of his roommates about just his general not being around and how he's being a bad friend and stuff, but this is mostly a setup for the second book. In the series, which will be Holden's book. Okay. There, This is the only book available right now, but on C.E. Ricci's website, it says there will be five books in total in the Leighton University series is what it will be called. Um, and I think there will be there will be books for Holden, Theo, Hayes, uh, not Braxton, uh, <laughs> all the roommates. Because God, do we hate Braxton. God, do we hate Braxton so fucking much. Anyway. <laughs> then there's this fantastic scene in the library where Quentin shows up to the library where Oakley has been studying all day long. He goes up there. He's all the way up in the top floor in the study carols and they go to the farthest back corner of the stacks and they fuck in the library. Always wanted to fuck in a library. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Um, they wrote, I wrote, they had a fuck uh, um, Italian hand gesture. Yeah. I don't know that weird pinching hand. I love that as an emoji. Mm-hmm. I use it all the time when I, I don't have the words impeccable chef's kiss Yeah, um, and kiss it on the asshole and the asshole exploded. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> after learning everything that he has about um, Quentin's horrible parents, Oakley then invites him to dinner at his parents' house to see how parents are supposed to be supposed to be to see how families are supposed to treat each other. And Oakley's Oakley's dad is famous, famous former NHL player. And uh, his mother is like the quintessential wag. She cooks and she's very welcoming and sweet. And she makes Quentin feel like one of the family. And Oakley's little brother, Logan, who doesn't like any, doesn't have anything to do with hockey, doesn't want anything to do with hockey, just sort of ignores them the entire time because all they talk about is hockey. It's, it's, a, it's a family scene and it's a, it's a good one. O- Quentin gets to see what a family should look like. Mm-hmm. At this point, Oakley and Quentin consider themselves, quote, fuck buddies, unquote. I beg to differ. <laughs> so would anybody listening to this podcast. Seriously. They are dating. They're yeah. <laughs> they're exclusive and they are dating. Yeah. So like in the in the first Anchorman movie, when when Ron is in is feeling down and depressed and he's in the bar and he blows that conch, the whole bit where he's trying to summon all of the 
all the the newscasters and oh, they yeah. were in the bar the whole time. Yeah. That's kind of like what's going on right now where they're like they're building up to like they're going to bring their teammates around and they're going to say we're dating and the teammates are going to be like we know. Yeah, no shit. We've yeah. been here the entire time. We can tell. You know how we can tell? Our eyes work. Our eyes, they're functional. They work. Eyes. We can see with our special eyes. <laughs> My brand. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so in the next sequence of events, after getting dinner one night, they go to Oakley's house. This is the first time they've ever been to Oakley's house uh, as a couple. They're very careful not to wake anyone because it's like one in the morning. Um, and this is uh, from here. Shit's going to get heated. <laughs> um, Oakley has decided internally that he no longer cares if they go public but he still doesn't want to wake his roommates up in the middle of the night but he's like fuck it if they hear they hear we'll just tell them they have sex again there is a rim job in this scene oh man yeah um also also fucking Uh, (laughs) (laughs) while mid-coitus oakley has the sudden realization that he is in love with quentin duh yeah with this revelation he decides to do the thing that he normally never does he wants to bottom for Quentin, uh, which I do not know enough about gay culture because I'm not a gay man. But that when that happens in MM romance books, that's a big deal if your top wants to bottom for you. So okay. good for them. Beginning with a ride and ending with filthy missionary orgasm fest, as I wrote here, quite possibly the best orgasm of both of their lives. This That scene was super hot. Quentin realizes that he also loves Oakley by this point, but he just isn't ready to say it out loud yet. While they're cleaning up afterwards, Quentin goes to put his, the lube back in his, the bedside table and he finds a bottle of Vicodin. And he immediately jumps to the conclusion of betrayal, of suspicion of he 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 thinks he thinks that Oakley set him up to be popped for for opioids mm. and they get into this huge shouting match and Oakley's like no those are the pills that I was prescribed when I broke my clavicle last year yeah uh they just I just haven't thrown them away yet and Quentin's like yeah sure you just haven't thrown them away I don't know about the rest of y'all but in my house when I was growing up we had a rule that you didn't throw away your opioids you yeah. put them in the cupboard in yeah. case you needed them later. Although if you are, well, it's too late now. I was going to say uh, today was actually, there's there's a big like national like take your medicine oh, yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, that was today. Yeah. Uh, well, if you have reason to take it back or to buy, you can buy those little packets at um, at your pharmacy now. You, you, like, you dump them in the pill bottle and you yeah. add water and it renders everything in, unusable. If you need to protect yourself from falling into uh, an addiction trap or protect a loved one or... It, there are plenty of reasons why you would want to get rid of your opioids. But in my house, my mother has a chronic illness and she often needs pain medication to get through a flare. She will just take a Vicodin that she has left over from the last time she needed a Vicodin. And if I had Vicodin left over from one of my many oral surgeries, because I had oral reconstruction over the course of my childhood for like 10 years, we just put the pills in the cupboard. And if mom needed one, she needed one. Yep. So I guess what I'm saying is when I read that, I was like, yeah, he just left the pills in the fucking drawer. Quentin, yeah, exactly. Calm down. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But, but that was a, a little bit of uh, a, a reveal. 
you revealed that you had a lot of oral surgeries when you were a kid, and I revealed that I work in pharmacy. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Little peel back behind that. How did you know that I work in pharmacy? There yes. you go. So they have this huge shouting match. Oakley tries to convince him to stay, but Quentin storms off, and Oakley tries to chase after him, but he can't because they have woken up all of his roommates by now. Yeah. And they're all standing outside of his door, and they hold him back to keep him from leaving. <laughs> Why um, are you guys naked and smelling of sex? Well, Quentin puts his clothes back on, obviously, before he leaves. Yeah. But Oakley is trying to, ch- to run out of the house to chase after him in just his boxers. Uh, so I guess in the end, it's probably a good thing that his roommates were like, stop moving. Yeah. Uh, but they also basically tell him it's, it's better to let him go because they don't, he doesn't want to be the one on the receiving end of the punch that Oakley wants or that Quentin wants to throw right now. Mm-hmm. They tell him to go back into his room. They contemplate taking his phone away. Uh, and then they put a bell on his door so that if he opens it to try to leave later, he can't. Jesus um, Christ. That's extreme. It is. Uh, or, or maybe that's how modern youths act. I have no idea. Mm. Um, then Braxton comes into the room and he has this he has this whole meltdown about how Quentin's not his friend. Braxton is his friend and Braxton did this for him, et cetera, et cetera. And he reveals. Does he speak in the third person? No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But he seems like the kind of person who would. He reveals. He reveals that he, Braxton is indeed the one who got Quentin suspended for drugs. Yeah. Oakley spent this whole time thinking that Quentin was suspended for steroid use. And he just now learned during this fight that he was actually suspended for Vicodin. Braxton stole some of the Vicodin from Oakley's drawer, took it because he had he had prior knowledge that the test was coming from like Holden Holden's football bros from another university or something. Well, I was wondering about that because it would require it would require knowledge like knowledge beforehand that yeah. it was coming. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's basically it. Okay. Holden knew that it was coming because some of his bros from another unit from Ransom University, I believe, is their rival university in Chicago in this world, um, got popped for steroids. And so then the, they knew the test was coming. And so he pocketed some Vicodin. And on the day of the test, he took it. And then he switched just the lids of the piss cups because the lids were the things with the labels mm-hmm. and framed Quentin for opioid use must be nice to take a piss test when no one's watching right hi i was in the army <laughs> i don't know why i i don't think that that's the thing that would happen i really don't think that they would it's, leave the urine tests un unattended at no. any point it's gonna it, this 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 require this right here requires an amazing suspension of disbelief yeah well there you go yeah no i'm, I'm again i'm just i'm here for semantics but that's because i'm i'm me yeah yeah. I'm also here for the, the, the hot sex. Hot sex. So much hot sex. And talking to me. Twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. Aren't I cute? Um, you actually are. I've just been sitting here marveling at you. Oh, you're adorable. So Quentin or Oakley and Braxton get into a big fight. Oakley tells him, we're not friends. And I am going to tell Coach in the morning about what you did. And he does. Braxton gets suspended and eventually released from the team. And he's transferring for the rest of the, the year to a different university. And Quentin and Oakley have broken up, and it's very sad. And that's the end of our episode. No, 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 it's not. Three weeks later, the team is still winning, which is great, but also it makes it makes Oakley sad because the superstition didn't really mean anything anyway. I guess. Meh. Yeah. Um, the magic was inside you all along. You didn't need <laughs> you to didn't fuck need your team. You didn't need that teammate. magic, Dick. Uh, <laughs> the magic was inside you all along. 
And Quentin is treating him like the invisible man. Like he won't even look at him. They're still playing on the same line. They're still doing just fine. But they they are not acknowledging each other at all. Um, a, f- a couple of days later, Oakley goes to Quentin's apartment, gets him to come outside, does the desperate confession of love that we would expect. Um, he takes accountability for his part in the quote-unquote plan which was to suggest that they should get Quentin kicked off the team at all like Quentin feels betrayed because Oakley suggested it at all and you didn't have to tell him that Oakley you could have just said Braxton dosed you or or not Braxton dosed you but switch the cups I don't know I I think that this is all blown way out of way out of proportion by Quentin I really do yeah but he doesn't have the best uh, emotional regulation because of his upbringing and whatever in rich white people world. So he tells him that he loves him. Oakley tells Quentin that he loves him, that he's sorry, that he'll do anything that he needs to, that he just needs his forgiveness. It doesn't have to be today. It doesn't have to be tomorrow, but he can't live the rest of his life knowing that Quentin hates him. And then he just walks away uh, because Quentin does not respond. The team then wins the last game they need to make it into the Frozen Four. Uh, but Quentin is a big sad boy about it because um, he misses Oakley. And they make meaningful eye contact across the locker room while they're celebrating after the after the win. It's the first time that they have even looked at each other in four weeks. The most awkward Sally. Uh, before he can go over there and actually talk to him, because at that point he's like, maybe I should just go talk to him. Um, Quentin is called into the hallway by coach and introduced to uh, an agent named Lewis, who um, also repped both of the elder reeds back when they played. And he wants to represent Quentin. This is what you, this is why you told me that the rules were being bent a little. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Lewis explains that he's only going to take one prospect this year and he intended it to be Oakley so that he could get what he called the Reed hat trick. But right after Christmas, he came to talk to Oakley about it and Oakley told him no. If he was only taking one prospect this year, it had to be Quinton DeHaas. And Quinton is like, holy shit, two months ago before all of this, uh, before all of this started and before the quote-unquote betrayal happened he gave up his chance to be repped by lewis spaulding so that he could give that position to me instead like he's he's very moved by this it is in this moment when quinton realizes that he loves oakley so much that he can't possibly spend the rest of his life hating him especially after he gave up his chance to be repped by lewis spaulding so he immediately agrees to being represented by Lewis, uh, but on one co- on one condition. Dot dot dot. We don't learn what that condition is until later. In the next scene, uh, Leighton University is playing for their victory in the Frozen Four. It is a harrowing game. The opponents have a hot tendy. They can't get anything past him. Uh, they eventually are in the third. I want to say inning, but that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Period. Thank you. I was like, it can't be a quarter. There's only three. (laughs) (laughs) They're in the second half of the third quarter. (laughs) 
Exactly. Uh, and they score one more touchdown to win the pennant. Um, <laughs> Yay, sports. Hooray. <laughs> they end up tied 2-2 with only 20 seconds left on the clock in the third period. They catch a breakaway. O- uh, Oakley, Quinton, and their teammate Rossi all rush to the net. Uh, Oakley passes to Quinton. Quinton can't get the shot, so he gets the assist to Rossi, and Rossi scores, and they have won the Frozen Four. Oh, wow. And in the middle of their on-ice celebration, Quinton and Oakley hug, and they express their feelings for one another, and they kiss live on national television right in the middle of the celebration. I'm telling you, based on some of the names in this book and that, I think C.E. Ricci might have read Check, Please. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And uh, cool if you did. No, I, I, this is not a criticism. Um, yeah, this, this is, is a compliment. Check, Please, with different emotions. Yeah. Um, and it's it's great. Uh, also, neither one of them bakes. So they have kissed in yep. public. It's, I'm guessing, the first kiss between two teammates on television ever. Oh, yeah. The, 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 nothing like this has ever happened. Mm-hmm. After the bus ride, honestly... I was expecting this bus ride to pull up to cameras and reporter because that's the kind of shit that would happen. Yes, the 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 NCAA, the Frozen Four is a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, even if you don't really follow college hockey or hockey at all, the Frozen Four is still a pretty big deal. And if two dudes on the ice kissed, you can better believe that whatever vehicle they got in. When it arrived at its destination, there would be a lot of people outside of that vehicle. Oh, yeah. Reporters, protesters probably, because, you know, fucking yeah. homophobics Somehow are the Westboro Baptist Church would already be there. Yeah. But no, they arrive at like two in the morning back to Layton and coach gives them as co-captains the keys to the um, trophy case to go and put their brand new trophy in the trophy case. And once they do that, they start making out in the hallway um, but they are interrupted by Lewis, the agent, yeah. who has come to give Oakley his contract because the one condition Quinton had was that if he was going to sign Quinton, then he was going to sign Oakley too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, sir. I know that you are one of the most powerful agents in sports, and you said you were only taking one prospect this year, but I'm going to change your mind. Yep. And probably wasn't that hard because Lewis wanted the Reed hat trick pretty darn bad. I was going to say. Um, And... Uh, <laughs> Now he gets to represent two openly gay hockey players who are in a relationship with each other, which is probably both good and bad for him. Uh, More kissing ensues. And then the epilogue. So we're almost at the end. Four four months later, Oakley has been drafted to Philadelphia and Quinton has been drafted to New York, but on fictional teams. It's not the Flyers or the Rangers. The Rangers. It's the New York Knights, mm-hmm. and they never named the Philadelphia team. Um, they are looking to rent property right in between those two places so that they can live together on the off season and see each other in between um, traveling and stuff. It's not very far. It's really not. I, I mean, I, I, when we lived in Philly, I drove to New York. It was like a couple hour drive. Two and a half hour drive, yeah. I think. Um, Quinton has taken Oakley out for a lesson on his motorcycle. Oh, because Quinton is also like a tatted up motorcycle dude to go with all of this. He's covered in tattoos and he also wears glasses and Oakley thinks it's super cute that he wears glasses when he's not on the ice. So Oakley drives the motorcycle. They kiss in this parking lot and they're all happy and excited. And they get a call from Lewis who's calling to tell Oakley that he has been traded because there is a trade clause in his draft contract he has been traded to new york so now quinton and oakley 
are going to play on the same team together as professional hockey players. Quinton has been has been cut off by his father and he does not care. Oakley is living his legacy and living his dream and off they travel into hockey happiness. End of book. Crazy. Aren't they sweet? Wow. That was a ride. There was something I had to say, but fuck, it's it's gone. No yeah. well. This book is great. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I just glossed over because there's a lot of big feelings stuff that happens in this, and I didn't want to explain all of that. No, but, the, but that's I not what we're here for. I can't recommend this book enough. It, the 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 relationship dynamic and growth is fantastic. The sex is fucking incredible. Yeah, and. I can't wait to, I'm sure, going to read more of these books as they come out. That's what I was going to say. Uh, this is a wonderful antidote. If if you are out there and you are you follow the NHL and you, you are aware of what's going on in the NHL right now, there is a, a lot of conversation around various teams and how they're handling their respective pride nights. The NHL is trying to really promote that is a it is a sport for everyone, and they are making a big push towards the um to the L, towards the LGBTQ uh, IA plus community. And a lot of players have spoken out about how they won't wear like a lot of teams want to wear pride uh pride themed warm up jerseys for the pre for the warm up skate and all of that stuff and players are saying they don't want to wear them and it's against their beliefs and this that and the other thing and teams are scrapping the nights all together it's a whole kerfuffle there's a lot of great coverage out there uh and i i highly suggest you look into it uh so hearing this story the idea that this could actually happen irl would really turn all of that on its head and i would love to see it happen it's probably not going to happen for a while but um yeah this is a complete antithesis to, yeah. to everything that is going on in the real world right now and uh that makes me happy the real world of hockey specifically yeah well there's a lot there's a lot going on in the world at large surrounding lgbtq issues and i i really 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 want to say that i hope that we see more openly gay athletes in the future it's oh a, yeah I know that for the longest time, locker rooms have been a toxic environment where no one felt safe to be themselves. And I know that that's changing because we have seen some openly gay athletes now. Yeah. Um, the only one I can think of is a rugby player, but I know that there mm -hmm. are more. And I, I don't I don't think that I don't think that any harm can come from there being more openly gay athletes. Oh, God, no. Be gay. Be sporty. There are a lot of openly gay athletes in women's in sports. In women's sports. Sure. Yeah. Because for some reason... And it's because dudes think that lesbians are hot. I know that that's well, why. I know it, that that's why. A and then B, the the masculinity yeah. thing. But I can speak as somebody who is only recently coming to terms, and under I shouldn't say coming to terms. I've never been conflicted about my sexuality, but under uh, coming better understanding my sexuality. I can tell you this: the common joke is like, "Oh, there's a gay guy in the locker room, then he's going to want to fuck everybody." No, no, that is not how this works. I have never once looked at anybody in any locker room and felt anything, anything remotely that way. Now, I'm not saying it's it's not possible, but generally speaking, you're just there to change out of one set of clothes and change into another set of clothes. That's all it is. Right. Uh, you know, again, I know this is shocking to most heterosexual men, but 
not every gay or queer dude wants to fuck you. Your wife barely wants to fuck you, Jim. <laughs> well, you know what they say. Straight dudes are only afraid of gay guys because they're afraid gay guys will treat them the same the way that they treat women. Yeah, exactly. As objects. Yeah. So if you've got homophobia problems, perhaps you should look internally. Yeah, and uh, and also therapy. And also therapy, yes. Um, so that's it, baby. That's gay hockey. I hope you enjoyed I it. I had a blast. That yeah. was so much fun. It's super fun. I... I, I can't I can't say enough good things. I really enjoyed this book. It's it's gotten a lot of praise on Book Talk and I see why. Do you have a book picked out for next episode? I do have a book picked out for next episode. Next week we are reading The Fay Queen's Captive by Sierra Simone. Wow. It is a dark fantasy sapphic romance. Oh. We can't leave our ladies out no we did gay hockey this week next week we're doing lesbian fairies and also sierra simone is one of my favorite smart authors uh she wrote priest okay. which is the single hottest book i have ever read <laughs> uh so i look forward to reading more of her stuff because this is the only one that i've ever or priest is the only one that i've ever read i look forward to hearing about um, it and i'm very excited to get started on it. So, yeah, next week, The Fake Queen's Captive by Sierra Simone. Well, then we should wrap this up. We are on social media, albeit very, very barely uh, on social media. Yeah. But that's because, as we've said many times before, bad social for Social media our, is bad for your brain. Bad for your brain. Definitely bad for our brains. Uh, we are on TikTok and Instagram. Um, the music that we use in our show is called Nostalgia by Makai Beats. Um, if you do want to find us on uh, those social medias, it's just at Cheap Smut. Yep. I, we have a Twitter account too, but... We also have a Gmail. Yeah, cheapsmutpod at gmail.com. I know we've never really mentioned it, but you know what? People are starting to listen. So if you'd like to reach out to us, um, cheapsmutpod at gmail.com. Absolutely. And if you enjoyed this episode or if you've listened to anything in the past, rate, review, subscribe. Word of mouth is the best way to get it around. We would love to share these stories with more people. Yeah. I'm always looking to talk about romance with more people because it's my favorite genre ever. And we added another country to the Spotify analytics. Yes. I told you that. Australia. Australia. Yeah. And a couple episodes ago, we talked a little a little bit of playful shit about Australia. So if, if, the, if you heard that episode, no, you didn't. <laughs> Ignore that part. Just ignore it. Yeah. You're, for, you're from Australia. You're better than me. Just <laughs> I live in America. Absolutely. Fuck this place. Listener, if there is a book in you, write it. And if there's fucking in it, I'll read it. And then she will come on this show and tell me all about it for your entertainment. And uh, hopefully I won't talk shit about any countries that are better than ours. Yes. Let's go do other things, my love. Yes, let's. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.